Welcome to Off Leash Podcast with Dr. Pete. I'm Dr. Pete. I'm glad you've joined us for today's show. Just remember, we're not here to say what you want us to say, but we're here to be an advocate for your pet. And I am the co-host today, Molly Van Vranken, his daughter, and we are presented by Voyager Dog Food Company. Um, would we like to tell them a little bit about Voyager Dog Food Company? Sure, we should. I've uh, it's it's um, I'm a co-founder of uh, Voyager Dog Food Company. Uh, we've been in operation for almost five years now, uh, manufacturing uh, dog food. Um, and I got started doing this because you know over the years I have an awful lot of clients walk in and. Uh, come in with new puppies, sometimes older dogs, uh, all sorts of things. And one of the questions that frequently comes up is, you know, what's, 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 uh, what's the best dog food? What's the best dog food? And then I'd have to kind of wince a little bit and go, well, you know, uh, this company makes a decent food, that company makes a decent food. Uh, you know, it kind of depends on the dog. You know, sometimes, uh, so, sometimes really good dog foods are not very digestible for certain dogs. And so there's, there's a lot of... Um, back and forth with the answer to this. But in the end, I really knew that there was problems with dog foods uh, and and almost all dog foods. Uh, probably the number one problem is that uh, probably 15, 18, maybe even 20 years ago, uh, the dog food company started adding copper sulfate and proteinaceous copper into dog food. And uh, it turns out that it causes some problems with what we call um, uh, copper storage disease or more formally known as uh, copper-associated hepatopathy. And this originally happened with our family dog. It did, and that's what really drove it home. The fact that we had a dog at home, it was our, um, your, your brother's dog. Yeah, he bought him with, or bought her with yeah, his Christmas money. With his Christmas money, exactly. He went to the Humane Society, and, uh, you know, it's really tragic because uh, uh, he's a nice kid, and uh, I took him over, and he took that dog, Cookie, took her uh, to the uh, obedience classes all by himself. You know, I'd drop him off and then come pick, pick him up an hour and a half later or something like that. It was really what probably his very first project that he had that mm-hmm. he was that he was doing a good job with. And uh, and really, she had a very uneventful life until she got to be about five or six years of age. And uh, and she started to lose a little weight and she vomited a couple of times. So we took her down to the office and diagnosed uh, uh, that she had high liver enzymes. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely tragic for yeah, for us. It was. In fact, uh, we we treated her for a little bit and finally decided to do a biopsy on her, which it, you know was a fairly expensive process. And uh, we found out that she had uh, fairly extensive uh, copper storage disease. And well, we figured out that the copper storage disease was actually because of ingredients put into the dog food. It is, and you know, and I kind of almost knew this because I've been advised by Dr. Sharon Center at Cornell that that happened with some dogs and. And, and really what happened is you know, I re- I've read labels my whole life, and it used to be cupiric oxide in dog foods, cupiric oxide, and that was the source for copper in, in dog foods. And then all of a sudden it turned into copper sulfate, which I thought was weird because copper sulfate's one of those things you use to kill uh, algae in ponds and they put it in foot baths for cattle. And I use it on my horses. Yes, yes. In yeah. fact... Caustic um, wound powder. Yeah, it's a copper sulfate. It, yeah, it's caustic powder, and you use it to, if your horse has an injury and you got proud flesh. It's kind of what they use to eat the flesh off, and so uh, intuitively, it didn't sound like it belonged. Not there. something that should be put into dog food. No, for sure. 
No, you shouldn't be putting anything in dog food that's labeled caustic powder. And you actually have a a dog food store downtown Battle Creek. And I I remember you went downtown and flipped over every bag and the ingredient copper sulfate, copper protonate, copper acid chelate was in almost every single... Was it in every single dog food bag? It's in every single dog food, Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception there's a couple of uh, prescription diets that don't have it in it. And uh, that's a real problem. Um, uh, And we looked at this and... uh, you know, I felt really bad about it, and I was, you know, sad our dog died, and then I was mad that our dog died, and then I was mad as hell that our dog died, and and um, some things I get over and some things I don't get over, and this was one of those things I didn't get over. You were pissed. I was, yeah, I was pissed. Anyway. <laughs> well, and it, it went even farther than that. At this, about the same time, this was when everything was, uh, people were talking about grain-free diets, grain-free diets, and I never really understood the grain-free thing. I mean... Uh, I know I get it with people. People have celiac disease, and so they have to have grain-free diets because they have celiac disease. However, dogs don't have celiac disease, so I, I think this was a kind of a, a sham job on 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 uh, our veterinary clients or our pet owners that they thought they were doing a real service to their dog by putting them on grain-free diets. It turns out there's been a warning from the Food and Drug Administration about grain-free diets. And uh, that it may be responsible for some dilated cardiomyopathies, which is kind of where the heart gets really big and kind of flabby and doesn't work very well. And uh, we think that's caused by an imbalance of amino acids. But we know that this happens a lot with, uh, you know, dog foods that have a lot of peas in them. You know, just don't have any grain in a lot of peas and sometimes some kind of... Uh, uh, unusual proteins in it. So we know that that happens. And, and listen, uh, we've dealt with dilated cardiomyopathy for a long time. And uh, those dogs were almost always great big dogs like Danes and Dobermans and those kind of dogs. And uh, this was affecting everybody. And the weird thing was that if you put them back, you took them off the grain free and put them on a grain inclusive, and that's kind of what we call it now, a grain inclusive diet, that some of those dogs, their hearts got better. In fact, some of them went back to being normal. Not all of them, but some of them went back to being normal. That's uh, another problem in the dog food industry right now is the grain-free yep. problem. So- well, and then there was the third piece, and the third piece was um, at our veterinary clinic, we've done an awful lot of drug um, trials for the pharmaceutical industry, and um, it's really a learning experience when you do that, and uh, some of the studies involved doing studies for uh, ear infections, and with ear infections, um, we did, you know, these, uh, you know, you look at 100 dogs, and uh, you try different things. Uh, they had their compounds they were using. But in the end, when you came out to study, we, we pretty much knew that all these dogs had food allergies or probably had food allergies. And in fact, they did have food allergies. And we, uh, and this is no hard and fast rule, but beef, milk, and wheat were probably the three primary causes of, of ear infections or hotspots in dogs. So, um, so when we made our food, we decided we wouldn't put any beef, milk, or wheat in there. Yeah, And uh, that's what we're doing now. So we started making the food, or I should say you started developing the food. I think it was right before I went off to college. Something like that. Yep. And yes, then it was. The whole time I was off at college, you were developing developing yeah. this food. Because I was mad as hell. Yeah. yeah. So. And, that's, and, that's, and that's really how we got the whole thing started, because I was mad as hell. And, and you know what? And uh, this wasn't just me. This is There were a lot of other veterinarians that knew that this was going on, too. Uh, I've had some colleagues that... Colorado State and Cornell and Michigan State. And uh, there's a lot of people that know this very thing's going on nowadays. And so um, what we decided, and, and I've always had this 
the, we always had this motto, uh, uh, if you prevent the preventable, you don't have to treat the treatable. And, uh, and there's a lot of truth in that, that if you, if you prevent things from happening, if you can prevent Lyme disease, if you can prevent dilated cardiomyopathy, if you can prevent ear infections, if you can prevent copper-associated hepatopathy, if you can prevent these things, then you don't have to treat them. And, it, and really, that's what veterinarians do. We spend an awful lot of time trying to prevent uh, diseases. I mean, when I first got out of school, we prevented distemper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're still doing that. Yeah, and that's exactly what you did with the food. You found out that no beef, no milk, no wheat. Uh, grain inclusive and no chelated copper, which is uh, not only a healthy food to feed our dogs, but I know you wanted a healthy dog to feed or a healthy food to feed your clients' dogs as well. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what, believe it or not, that's kind of what I did. I got up every morning and I shaved and I thought, geez, do I really want to do this? And how old were you when you started the dog? Yeah, food? I was in my, let's just say I was in my mid 60s, but I probably <laughs> wasn't. But anyway, the the fact that you know, I kept shaving and kept thinking, I should do this, I should do this. And f- you know what? I, the thing that was really problematic was I was waking up about four thirty, five o'clock every morning and thinking about this. So and now we did this, and I sleep till 6.30, <laughs> and, uh, which now I'm not, now I'm not, wor- I, I, now I'm not worried about our dogs, and I'm not worried about a lot of my clients' dogs, and I'm not worried about a lot of my friends' dogs. So uh, in the town in which we live, um, we're preventing uh, a lot of diseases. And, and really, we're at the point now where we're shipping this food in 49 of the 50 states. And uh, and we're preventing the copper storage disease. We're preventing dilated cardiomyopathy. And we're preventing some food allergies. So I'm pretty happy what we're doing. And um, and and I think our clients are too. And I think that's the uh, what we do right now is we sell everything pretty much mail order. Yeah. Uh, I have my own pet, for, uh, pet food store downtown, but uh, here in Battle Creek, Michigan. But... Uh, most of this stuff uh, leaves via UPS and goes to all parts of the country. And uh, we get a lot of uh, um, feedback from clients that are extremely happy what we're doing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are exactly the spot that your brother and I were in when his dog was sick. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wanted to order the dog food, where would they go? They'd go to Voyager Dog Food Co. Dot com. And if you can't, yeah, dot com. And if you can't remember safedogfood.com, uh, that would also get you there. Uh, but uh, that's where you find out about it. And there's all sorts of literature on the website that explains why this happened, how it happened. Uh, there's some testimonials from people that are uh, happy as hell we did this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of our team, our group of people here at Voyager Dog Food Co. Um, a very small group of people. A very, very small group of people. It doesn't cost me much for the Christmas party, just so you folks know <laughs> that. It's uh, Dr. Pete and myself and uh, Ben, someone that I yep. went to college with. Yep. And, and and Tim. And Tim. Tim helped formulate the and diet. Tim Van Millsworth, yep. And uh, so and he's a food scientist, and we've had a Ph.D. nutritionist. So this isn't a bunch of guys making stuff in a bathtub. This is uh, uh, we, we make 80,000 pounds at a time and um, goes through all the same safety measures most everybody else does. In fact, uh, we we are actually the, one of the few manufacturers that – that uh, takes every batch out and uh, analyzes to make sure it's got in it what it's supposed to have in it. So we're pretty serious about safety and and, uh, control of what our ingredients are. Yeah, exactly. So now that we talked a little bit about the dog food and people have a little bit of a history as to why you started it, let's go into the podcast a little bit. Now, what is your goal with this podcast? Um, well, you know, I think some people think my goal is to sell dog food. Well, my goal is to sell dog food, but my my main goal is to educate people. Uh, we have a little motto at our veterinary clinic that we sell information and peace of mind. 
in exactly that order. And so what we'd like to do is spend some time on podcasts, um, educating people uh, of what sometimes what we've learned here at uh, Voyager Dog Food. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 49 years. And so after 49 years, I have not seen everything, but I've seen a lot of things. And I think that's the way, uh, quite frankly, I think that's the the way you learn what you what you do. I, I, in fact, I've had a lot of clients want to know if I'm going to retire anytime soon. And, Never. <laughs> and I told them I'm really kind of worried about dying without knowing everything. But I'm perfectly aware that I am going to die without knowing everything. But at least I can share some of the things I do know with um, with our with our Voyager people. That's right. Information and peace of mind. So we were just talking earlier, and you were saying that you learn something new every single day that you go into work because you still are a practicing veterinarian. I still am a practicing veterinarian, and uh, and uh, if I quit learning stuff, you should, uh, our clients should quit seeing me. Just so you know. So let's go into our first topic of the day, which is old dogs, new tricks. What did you learn this week that you did not know last week? Well, what did I not know? You know, I had I had a really tough case this week. I had a golden retriever that came in that was came in on a stretcher, laying down, couldn't get up or anything, and had a temperature of about 102 and a half. And uh, so we, you know, part of part of being a good veterinarian is taking a good history. So and and sometimes it's hard to get clients to tell you which they one don't. to tell they, you. They don't tell you till the very end. No, sometimes they're. You got a 20-minute uh, appointment, and at, at minute 19.30, they tell you something about this dog that they should have told you right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, but um, this lady was fairly forthcoming, and, uh, you know, we looked at things, and she didn't whether she, you know, this was one of those dogs, if, I'd have, if this was Las Vegas, I would have bet that we were going to put this dog to sleep because it looked that bad. And so we frogged around a little bit, and it's a dog that was having epilepsies from time, you know, epileptic seizures from time to yeah. time, seizure dog. It was on a whole bunch of meds, uh, sorting bromide, Kepra, Phenobar, blah, 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 blah. So we did a little blood work, and everything looked fairly normal. Some of the liver enzymes were elevated. And uh, really what we uh, ran a Lyme test, and this dog being, we ran actually a heartworm with Lyme or Lickie and anaplasmosis, and this dog actually had Lyme disease. And so we, we, we thought, well, maybe we see some dogs, and I'm not sure this is very common in, in a lot of places, but we do see some dogs that are paralyzed when they have Lyme disease. Wow. And this, this dog was depressed and, and couldn't sit up or do anything. They have this term comorbidities, comorbidities. That means you get two or three things going on at the same time. So then we had to figure, does this have, dog have two or three things going on at the same time? We couldn't feel any cancer, you know, color was good and everything. The physical, physical, other than the fact the dog was depressed as a devil, was not all that bad. So we, so we got to looking at the dosage on this dog's phenobarb, and it was the dog was getting four milligrams per pound per day, which is really quite a bit. And um, and the dog was positive for Lyme. So kind of came to the theory that probably this dog had a combination of being overdosed on phenobarb and had Lyme disease. So what are you going to do? You take him out the phenobarb and start him on doxycycline and treat the Lyme disease. And uh, nothing goes as fast as we'd like it to go. But nope. the next day, the dog, uh, <laughs> next day, the dog, this dog was eating and drinking when it came in, but you had to sit it up so it could do that. Yeah. But the next day, it kind of uh, moved around a little more. And then, uh, you know, four days later, the dog walked out of the clinic. And uh, Full recovery? It's an old dog, man. It's an old dog, but it walked out and they were, and the people cried when it, when it walked out. Oh. So, and, and I'm not buying these people another five or six years. I'm buying them a year or Hard to tell. We did get this dog an injection. Not only we did, we took him, changed the phenobar dosage, put him on doxycycline, and we gave him an injection of something called Labrella. 
Labrella is a monoclonal antibody. This is brand new stuff, by the way. And uh, Labrella is an injection. And we did the study. Uh, it comes out of Zoetis, which is right next door to where we live. And um, it's a monoclonal antibody that's an anti-nerve growth factor. It's a really terrific drug. So we're going to try to fix two or three or four or five things with this dog and see what we end up with. Yeah, that's great. That's crazy that you'd think that you'd have to put the dog down in the beginning, and then yeah. by the end, it's walking out of the clinic. You'd be well, surprised at how much people would spend on their dog just to get another yep, year. Yep, get another six weeks, eight weeks. Wow. But it was an old dog with an old veterinarian, and uh, and the dog and I both learned some new tricks. That's so great. that was good. Well, I'd like to take us into our next idea, which is Canine Chronicles, which is new news in the dog industry. And what I'd actually like to talk about today is the, the new respiratory illness going around in dogs. Oh, yeah. Yep. Tell me See, what we you don't know what that, that is. Yep. So there's no there's no name. It's not been. No. Um, so what you have to do is kind of go back and and look at what you've learned in the past. Uh, we we know that a lot of these dogs get viral infections, and after they get a viral infection, if you ever notice this with you, you have a you get a viral infection and your nose runs and and then your nose runs some more and it's it's not as clear now. It's kind of yellow and then it doesn't then it runs. It gets a little stiffer and yellower and that sort of thing. And that's that's really a bacterial. When you see the yellow or the color to the to the nasal discharge, we know that that's a bacterial component. And but what's happened is the virus has set up the table for the bacteria, and then some of these dogs will go into pneumonia. We think that's what's going on with this. We're not sure if it's a new virus, and we're not even sure that it's a new bacteria. But what's happened is you get these uh, terrific bacterial infections in the in the lung field, and you have the release of what they call cytokines, which are like um, inflammatory proteins. It's the same thing that went on with COVID. And if you notice in, in COVID, they were treating a lot of these people with steroids. Now, I'm not a big a fan of treating a dog with steroids that has pneumonia, but it's but if you want to try to lessen the inflammatory response, that's the way you do it. So you think so that I, this disease has been around for a while? I'm not sure it's been around for a while. I do I do know this much. We, we've often uh, used a drug called chloramphenicol, which most veterinarians are afraid of because it's it has some bad properties when people take it. Not much when dogs take it. It can cause uh, a bone marrow suppression. Is that a very common drug to be used at a clinic? No, no. In fact, uh, the younger veterinarians at my place think I should wear gloves when I count the pills. And I'm using <laughs> a pill counter, I mean, my word. But anyway, it's kind of silly. Uh, but, but, you know, it is. Uh, it, as far as respiratory stuff is concerned, it is the ace of spades. It is, it is the last trick I play. You know, if I really want to take a trick, this is a card thing, you know. You know, you used it on one of my dogs that I brought in. Yeah. I got I got a puppy yep. and I don't I had no intention on getting this dog originally, but I brought it in just because it was sick from the litter that that well, it was. Well, we took in. an x ray and it had the cloudy chest and I mean this dog was open mouth breathing because it couldn't move air. And it was weird because we put that little puppy what's that puppy's name again? Uh Xena. Yep, Xena. So we put Xena in a cage with oxygen. And then uh, we went and got the chloramphenicol. I did put the glove on to put it down, but we, we gave him <laughs> the chloramphenicol. And then we stood back and uh, and watched in, in two hours that dog was sleeping. Not mm-hmm. asleep, Not, but yeah. just resting. That is a lot of work when you cannot move air through your with, through Especially your lungs. Especially for a puppy. That is a lot of work, and they become completely exhausted, and that dog slept all afternoon. And can't they pass away from just the pure exhaustion of yep. trying to yep. push air? It sure does, and this dog was actually fairly close to that. But I'm sure that, and 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 the weird thing was, it was really cool as the devil because we took that dog and took another X-ray the next day, and it was like 
clear. 80, well, it wasn't clear, but it was 80, 90% better. Wow. Much, much better. <clears throat> Were the and other vets at the office kind of impressed? Well, I took the young veterinarians. The old veterinarians knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. They they were like, we knew what you'd do. Yeah. And uh, the young veterinarians were like, you're crazy. No, you, I'm not crazy. Do you play that card very often? No, I only play it when I have to play it. Once yeah. you play the ace of spades, you don't have the ace of spades anymore. You ever play cards? We used to stand up and throw that thing down and go, never send a boy to do a man's job. And uh, when we were playing cards, we play the biggest trump we got. Never send a boy to do a man's job. So we didn't send a boy to do a man's job. We sent Clarence Fenicol. And uh, and it is not malpractice or anything. It's just when you want to get a trick, you want to get a trick. And that was that dog was at the point where somebody needed to save its life. And we had another one this week, same way. This happened to be a heartworm dog, but same sort of stuff. Big temperature, hard to get down, so tried how to would do a, different things. How would a younger veterinarian treat and diagnose? Well, I mean, they're taught different things, you know, and, and it's not like they're taught the wrong things. They're just taught different things. And and they're taught to, they're, I think they're, what they're really taught is to be um, of, afraid of chloramphenicol, and they and they shouldn't. I mean, it's nothing that, you know, and I think sometimes veterinarians are, are <clears throat> anxious about sending home for fear that there'll be 10 or 15 of them left, and then some somebody in their family will take it because it was an antibiotic that looked really good on the dog. So. Yeah. So you have to put a few skull and crossbones on the bottle when you send it home. Well, I'm very thankful that you saved Zena. Me too. She is she yep. is such a sweet dog. Always lots of fun. You know, you can't win every time, but when you can win, it's a lot of fun. You know that. Oh, yeah. Well, let's take a break and let's talk about a little bit of rock and roll history. You sent me a song the other day, Give Me Three Steps. What is it by Leonard, Leonard oh, Skinner? Give Me Three Steps. Leonard Skinner. Tell Leonard me, Skinner. Tell you me know about Leonard that song. Skinner was? Leonard Skinner was, was uh, Ronnie Van Zant's gym teacher, and he didn't like him, so he called the band Leonard Skinner. And the guy was named Leonard, but they, ch- they spelled it all different. Yeah. So and, Dr. Uh, Dr. Pete is a huge rock and roll whiz for anybody that does not know. Where do you learn all this? Well, I was in a band in college, and... Uh, it was all veterinary students. I think you've heard this story before. Uh, we were called crypt orchid in the unhung. Yeah. And, did, uh, tell them what a crypt orchid is. A crypt orchid is a testicle that doesn't fall into the scroll sack. And the unhung <laughs> was the girl that was in the band. She was a really good guitar player. Yeah. But anyway, I like Leonard Skinner. And, and uh, this is, I mean, that's a real story about he's dancing with somebody's wife or somebody's girlfriend and he almost gets shot. And, and in fact, there's a little line in the song that he said, and his water fell on the floor. And I don't think... You know, I, I had to learn that song one time to perform it one time. And and uh, the water falling on the floor means he peed his pants. And uh, most people are not aware that's what I did not know falling. that. Yeah, he's, I, I can't remember exactly where the line goes. Staring straight down that 44. Well, let's see. The crowd drew away. I began to pray. My water fell on the floor. I think that's the way the song goes. And so he peed himself. And uh, so. And that uh, actually happened. It actually happened, yeah. And. And if you've ever watched their documentary, they, they talk a lot about that, that uh, they wrote about what happened to them. They were a weird band in that they, what they did, uh, most bands would practice at night after they'd had dinner and drink beer and all that sort of stuff. Those guys got up in the morning and, and had Cheerios and went to work, you know, and they got together at 8 o'clock. By 8.30, they were practicing songs, and everybody would bring something different. And at 5 o'clock at night, they'd go home, live their lives with their families and everything. And, uh, and uh, I guess the who... They toured. They opened for the Who at one time, and they, the Who said, "Man, those guys were so well rehearsed. It would almost sound like they were limp syncing the stuff because it yeah. was like exactly the same." Every Have you ever time. seen them in concert? Uh, nope, never seen them in concert. You know, they were popular, and then really a lot of them got killed in an airplane, and of course they all drank themselves to death and stuff. You know, you know this being 
When you're a kid, you think you'd like to be a rock star until you find out you're supposed to die at 52. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to do that. Wow. Well, I always I always admire your rock and roll history facts. I don't know how you remember you all know, of them. Let me, let me tell you what the trick is. You hear the story, and then I repeat it. I'll repeat it to you. Maybe I'll repeat it to Ben. I'll repeat it to two or three other people. And then it becomes my story, so then I can remember to tell you it You can remember time. it. Yeah, yeah. I try not to change it because it's either a line or embellishing. I guess I refer to it as embellishing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a lot of fun. If You, you learn to do that, and uh, you keep pulling up the same story over and over and over again, but you got you got quite a uh, uh, inventory. I want to see you in Jeopardy <laughs> someday. And I, I want to be on Jeopardy. I feel like you'd kill it on Jeopardy. Yeah, it'd have to be very specific categories. Yeah. Well, I had a college assignment due one time, and it was uh, for my capstone class, and they basically take companies that had a certain outcome of their business, whether the company failed or succeeded. And one of them was uh, an airline. And in the in the case study, they renamed it, and I read the case study to him, and he was like, oh, that sounds like, I can't remember which airline it was, but you knew exactly which airline. Oh, and Braniff, I maybe? I can't remember. Yeah. But I just remember, I, I had no idea how you remembered all that. Well, you know, if you read, um, um, I get the Wall Street Journal and I read that uh, on the weekends. I'll read things I find interesting. Yeah. And it's and that's, uh, by the way, that's what's referred to as damn good journalism <laughs> that occurs in there. And, and New York Times to boot. And so um, interesting stories. I mean, that's uh, I, I like the interesting stuff and I like reading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reading all the time. Well, like you talked about earlier, the important part of um, you and the client's relationship is giving them information and peace of mind. And I'd also like to follow that up on this podcast. So the one thing that you talked about earlier um, was was the drug that helped with arthritis. Oh, yeah. Labrella. 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 Yeah. I mean, to begin with, I mean, uh, in fact, uh, here's here's what the Voyagers need to know that that uh, their dog gets old, gets to be nine, ten years of age, and they come in, they're in for a vaccine or a physical or anything, and they say, well, your dog having any arthritis or having a hard time getting up? Nope. And I said, are you sure? Yep. And so, uh, mm-hmm. and really the truth of the matter is anybody that gets to be 60, 65, 70 years of age knows that you have arthritis. And so dogs have the same thing. And uh, so we have lots of drugs for dogs, uh, gabapentin, uh, Carprofen, Prevacox, Deramax, Adequan, uh, Meloxicam, Amenadine. So we have all sorts of stuff to use. So you, uh, this is, um, and, and really the very successful treatments for arthritis are look a little like a Long Island iced tea. You know, have lots of stuff, mm-hmm. more than one thing usually. And uh, so the Long Island iced tea dogs usually do pretty good because they're getting Adequan, they're getting Carprofen, they're getting Gabapentin. And, and we never know what's going to work on every single dog. So it's, every dog's going to be different. You know, back in the day, people took Celebrex or Bextra and stuff, and, and people would tell you, well, I'm, i got to take Celebrex or I have to take Bextra because it worked on one, not the other. It's the same thing with us. And so, but now they get this new thing out, Labrella. Would that work for my dog? You better would. Sage? I may get that for your dog for Christmas. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so she has hip dysplasia, do she does hip dysplasia and that's all arthritis she going yeah, hand well, in she has hand. arthritis. She has a laxity in her hip joints, and so it's allowed uh, arthritis to form. And she's a pretty gutsy dog, although she's on carprofen now. Yeah, but we're gonna excuse me, we're gonna try her on other things. So we're gonna, we'll see how that all works. But but that's a I mean that's the art form of veterinary medicine. You have to go ahead and do clinical trials, and the client has to report to you how they did. 
and you have to educate the client as to, t- uh, as to how to observe things. I mean, that's a that's the one thing. What does your dog do now? It didn't used to. Well, that's, now it's getting on the couch all by himself, or it's getting in the car without help. So that's mm-hmm. our job is to see to it that they're comfortable for the rest of their life. And it, you know, their lives are just like our lives. That we spend a little bit of money early on, uh, you know, with our DPT vaccines and our getting our cavities filled. Blah 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 blah, and then. Then it's usually kind of clear sailing in your 30s, 40s, maybe your 50s. And then you get 60, 70, you start taking stuff for things you may not get rid of or you may get rid of. But, you know, then you start to have medical conditions. So you have to just address those. And the same with the dog. You have to address the medical conditions they develop as they get older. Are they getting urinary tract infections more frequently, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You just have to figure out what's wrong. You have to now, if you can't prevent the preventable, then you do have to treat the the treatable. treatable. Did you do the drug study on that? On Lobrella? Yeah, yeah, we did it. In fact, uh, was it a double? Five, five times or something like that. And you know what the really bad part was? Hmm. Is that we get these dogs and the clients would just be jubilant, you know, because they got the drug. And then we had to tell them they weren't going to get it for another three or four years because it wouldn't oh, be out for no. three or four years. Yeah. That's I, sad. I, I don't remember where they ever got any compassionate use um, permits for those. And sometimes I was going to say, you should get them, get it a little bit early for the people that participated. Yeah. And that's, sometimes you can get a compassionate use. We joked about it one time because we were doing the Apoquel study and, and the guy says, well, I can't get Apoquel. And, they, and, uh, and I said, well, you know, the, the, um, guy who runs, uh, the farm, uh, the Pfizer it was Pfizer at the time. The guy who runs the Pfizer thing is Probably lives over there in Kalamazoo. You should probably go over and tell him if he wants to see his kid get off the bus. You, you should get your dog some Gapacol. That's a joke, oh just so everybody gosh. knows. This is a joke, just just a joke. And uh, oh, so something I, it, tells me it's not a joke. No, something did. And uh, and his ears perked up. But you know what? We called him and we and we pleaded with him for a while and and told him it was the right thing to do. And they did the right thing, which is really good. Yeah. So did, was it a double blind study that you did? Uh, yeah, it's double blind study. But this dog was so itchy when when that when I was doing the study for this is a, uh, a an allergy drug Apoquel for you people who don't know and and this dog itched all the way through the study and we and we checked his skin for for yeast and bacteria and he had both those on there and I said this drug will not work for this dog because he has so many yeast and bacteria and I was exactly wrong. You know, because that dog came in after seven days of being on the Apoquel, and the, and the guy's like, my dog's a lot better. And I'm like, are you sure? And I'm, he says, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he came back at 14 days, and he was a lot better. And he, at the end of 30 days, he didn't need the antifungals or the antibiotics because, and we didn't have him on those. We couldn't have him on those. He just was on the Apoquel, and he just did beautifully. That dog lived another seven or eight years of very comfortable life. Yeah, that's the important part is making sure that the animal's yep. comfortable. How do you tell if they're comfortable? Because I know that one of the things that you always say is that the good thing about dogs is that they're tough. The bad thing about dogs is that they're tough. Yeah, well, that's, and you're exactly right about that because that's what we see all the time. Dogs, you know, it's like, well, he's not hurting. He's not hurting. He's not hurting. And then you put him on stuff like, ooh, he must have been hurting because now he's so much better. Ooh, yeah. he wags his tail. Glad to see me. Blah, 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 well, that blah. That was with Sage. Like, I didn't know that Sage's hip dysplasia was that no. bad until, I don't know what you put me on. It's a once a day. Yep. Hill. Yeah, and, and really the, the worst part for dogs with hip dysplasia is that when you're going through the arthritic changes, once the arthritic changes are complete, it's much better. Yeah, yeah. but when, whatever pill you put her on once daily, she's like a different dog. Yep, I agree. So much more comfortable jumping, playing. Yep. For a while there, she was just kind of moping around, sleeping all day. Well, people listening to this need to know is when dogs get old, and I don't even care if it's a chihuahua, you know, 
If, if they get old, they're going to have arthritis, just like all of us have. Unless you've been laying in a waterbed your entire life, you're going to have arthritis. Yeah. Do you think that there's a good way to prevent arthritis? Glucosamine? Nope. Just nope. it happens? Nope. I mean, we run around. Dogs have the zoomies. If they didn't have the zoomies, maybe the arthritis wouldn't be as bad. But, you know, a dog ought to be allowed to be a dog. Yeah. And ought to be able to have the zoomies and run and play and do all that sort of stuff. You know, and and, and that's kind of the way it is with us. You know, people who played... Uh, Let's say they played uh, tennis their whole life or they, or they, you know, golf can be the same thing. It's kind of hurting your back. But if you played it six, seven times a day or six, seven times a week, excuse me, you know, that, yeah, you, the things, the muscles you use for that or the joints you use for that are going to have some abuse. And uh, when you have abuse of joints, you know, and, and even really carrying a lot of weight around, that's probably the worst thing right there is when you're carrying a lot of weight. Yeah. There's a thing called leptin. Leptin is a inflammatory protein that comes out of fat. So sometimes when, uh, when people are overweight, I, I was going to say fat, when they're overweight, um, there's an excessive amount of leptin being, uh, you know, produced. And sometimes you see these people that have very, very uh, placid lifestyles and then uh, they need a joint replacement. I'm like, geez, they're not doing anything. Why do they need joint replacement? Because of the leptin. So when they're sleeping, their shoulders and elbows and knees and hips are inflamed. When they get up in the morning, they're inflamed. When they go to work, they're inflamed. When they come home, they're inflamed. When they're laying on the couch watching the news, which isn't very good anymore, <laughs> they're inflamed. No, I'd completely understand that. Well, that's that's very cool with the with the new drug and with Apoquil. Yep. yep. You know, those are two, both two drugs. We talk about those drugs. They were under-promised and over-delivered. They were better than what people thought they were going to be. So how often does the, what is what was the first drug called? Pardon? The arthritis drug? Oh, Liberella. How, long does, it, how long does that last? It lasts about 30 to 40 days, and they make the same thing for cats called Silencia. And, yeah. and cats, if you talk about dogs not complaining about arthritis, cats don't complain about arthritis either. It's, we're always amazed every once in a while. We'll take the, we'll take the pictures of a, of a cat's knees or something like that, and they have a tremendous amount of arthritis sometimes. And you never you, know. Yeah, you give them the silencia, it's like a new cat, man. Do they act like they have arthritis? Um, no, they're just hesitant to get up and walk. You know, it's like, mm. you know, it's, it's really like you and I. If I got something going on... Um, I bellyache about it. You know, if you have a headache, you bellyache about it. We hardly ever have anything happen to us without talking about it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I see very few cats and dogs that can talk and complain, which maybe we should be thankful for that, but probably not. <laughs> well, I felt like that was a very informative talk on my end. I don't know how much information I gave you, but you sure as hell um, gave me a lot of information. <laughs> well, we had some fun. Let's, uh, let's get some uh, outro music, Molly. You got it. We sure appreciate you guys listening with us today, and we hope you've been able to share some information that will help you love your animals as much as they love you. Don't forget, we always treat the treatable and prevent the preventable, and we'll catch you on the next one. See you guys.